1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19, okay? So you follow along here with me. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some." I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look at your word today. God, we believe it is truth. Uh, We believe it's exactly what we need, Father, to guide our lives. Um, God, to, uh, to change us, to transform us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. God, we desperately need you. God, I, I just echo that song. I need you every hour. Uh, and God, we need you this hour. Uh, we need you to teach us. We need your spirit to change us. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you what I've seen. One of the things that I've seen this past week is that people in Woodward, Oklahoma truly want to help. Is that not right? Uh, they truly want to help. I talked to a guy on Cheyenne and he said this very lightheartedly. Uh, he said it with a smile. I want you to get the context in which he, which he said it. Uh, but he said, man, we've about been helped to death, you know, and uh, they'd lost their house. And, and, and he just, this flood of people saying, man, what can I do? What can I do to help you? What can I do to bless you? What can I do to relieve your suffering? What can I do to encourage you? What can I do to build up what's broken? Uh, People really want that. You want that. I've seen that in you. We want to help people, okay? That, that's a good thing. Praise God for that. Uh, now, what we've also seen, though, is that it's kind of hard to help people sometimes, isn't it? I mean, we saw that as well. I mean, I mean, what do you do when someone's house got blown away, you know? And, and you can go pick up their, their shingles and, and you can go, you know, help cut down their tree that's been uprooted and find their belongings and, and bring them food and gloves and water and more food and gloves and water and more food and gloves and water and, and pray for them and hug them. And, and, but, you know, there's this deepness down in us that says, you know, man, I just want to do more. You know, I just want, I want to really bless somebody. I really, I really want to help them. I want to make this deal okay. I want to bring healing and strength and joy. I want to put their lives back together. And the answer to that question, what more is there? Okay, if that's in you, if you feel that, if you're like, man, I, I just really want to help people. I really want to, want to do something for people. Let me tell you, this passage right here tells us the more, okay? If that's in your heart that you say, man, I, I want to do more. I want to help more. That, The answer to that question is right here, okay? And the more is new life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. Notice in verse 19 through verse 22, five times he says essentially the same thing, okay? He says, I want to win people to Christ. Five times in verses 19 through 22, he says, you know, I want to win the Jews. I want to win the weak. I want to win those under the law. I want to win those outside the law. I want to win them for Christ. And you're saying, okay, pastor, what what does he mean by that? Because that's kind of a strange 
strange way to say to help somebody is to win them. You know, it almost looks like you're like crushing them in white racquetball or something. You know, Paul's not talking about that. When when he talks about, I want to win them, what he's saying, let me me just read to you verse 22 because that clarifies it. Verse 22 says, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Okay, did you hear that? Save some. So, so what's the more here? Paul's like, man, what I want to do is I want to be used by God that these people might be saved. That my friends and my neighbors and my loved ones and my kids and these people that I care about, I, I, I want to be used by God that they might be saved, that, that, that God may save some, okay? Now, 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 what does that mean, saved? You know, we, we throw that term around a lot. I, th- I think there's a lot of people in the world that have no idea what we're talking about. You know, we talk about, are you saved? You know, and we use that, that lingo, that language. You know, I, I hope that person gets saved. You know, let me tell you this. That makes no sense at all unless there's an imminent threat, right? I mean, there's got to be some kind of imminent threat or it doesn't make any sense to say that, that, that you hope somebody gets saved or that you want to be used by God to save them. I mean, unless there's a threat, that, that's completely ridiculous, okay? You know, if you would have broken down somebody's front door at a little after midnight a week ago, okay? It's Sunday morning, a little after midnight, you're on Cheyenne Drive, and you break through somebody's front door, and you run to their bedroom, and you grab them by their jammies, and you drag them to their bedroom, and you, or their bathroom, and you throw them in their bathtub, and you jump on top of them. You know what? You're a hero, Right? I mean, you're a hero. I mean, I mean, the tornado comes through, man, you, you, they're saved and you're a hero. CNN is interviewing you the next morning, all right? Now, if you did that last night to somebody, you're probably sitting in county jail, right? I mean, exact same thing, okay? I mean, if you do the exact same thing, okay? You know why? Because if there's no threat, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're liable to get shot is what you're liable to get, you know? If you be throwing people in a bathtub and jumping on top, I mean... It, it doesn't make any sense if there's no threat, okay? If, if there's nothing to save people from. And you, let me tell you, that's why the gospel doesn't make sense to some people. Does that make sense? Yeah, you understand that? I mean, that's why the gospel doesn't make sense. That's why you can share the gospel with some people and they're like, man, that's just not important. It's, it's just, I don't get why you're making such a big deal of that. That doesn't help anybody. You see, if, the, if you do not see the threat, Okay, then these verses where Paul says, you know, I I do all these things that I might save some, that doesn't, it doesn't ring true. But if you understand what the Bible says, and what the Bible says is that, is that we're sinners. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Everybody on your block, everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in our town, everybody in our state, everybody in our country, everybody in our world. What the Bible says is that we're sinners. And what the Bible says is that the wrath of God is coming upon sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him, by Jesus, from the wrath of God. What do we save from? From the wrath of God. You see, from a biblical perspective, it may not be your perspective here this morning, but, but let me tell you what God's perspective is, is that sin is a serious thing, okay? Idolatry is serious. Anger and violence and covetousness and immorality and greed and lying and lust and pride, those are serious. And they're serious because the root of them is that mankind is rejecting God, okay? Whenever we sin, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I really don't want to be a part of your deal here. God, I don't want you as my king. I don't want you as my boss. I don't want you as my Lord. I don't want you as my ruler. I don't want to be a part of your family. I'm not in with all these rules that you've got and this way of living that you have. God, I reject that. 
Anytime we sin, that's exactly what we're doing. We're saying, God, I reject what you say. I reject what you want. I reject who you are. And and the Bible is very clear, folks. God will judge sin. When man says, God, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to listen to you. Folks, there's there's a coming wrath for that. God is not a permissive parent. You know, I'm convinced that there are times where Haven, she can kind of, she has a sense. Toddlers have a sense about them, okay? And they can kind of tell when, you know, mom and dad don't really mean it. They can tell when mom and dad are weak, you know? They can, they can tell when mom and dad are preoccupied. And, and so, so we, I saw this happen the other night. Uh, we, we, Emma was in the kitchen cooking and she kept telling Haven, you know, she's really busy. She kept telling Haven, Haven, don't do that. You need to get out of here. And Haven would start to get out of here and then she'd be like, nah, I think I can stay, you know? I don't think mom's really going to do anything. Mom's kind of busy. You know, mom's, mom's preoccupied. I believe that I can do what I want here and there's not going to be anything that happens. Okay. Let me tell you, God's not like that. Please don't put God in that category. Don't, don't think, you know what? God says this stuff, but he really doesn't mean it. You know, I think we can push him. We can push him. We can push. God's just, he's a lot of talk. I mean, look, he wrote this big book, you know, he's a lot of talk, but he's really not going to do anything. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to pick up right in the middle of verse 7. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Friends, those aren't my words. That's not my opinion. It's not the opinion of this church. That's what the Bible says. And you either believe it or you don't. And if you do believe it, then there's, there's, there's a real threat, okay? There, there's, there's really a thing that's going to hurt people. There's really a thing that, that, that's going to ruin people's lives. And that, that thing is sin. And that thing is the wrath of God that's coming. God has been patient, thousands of years patient, okay? Before you start accusing God of, of not being patient, listen. God has been far more patient with you and I than we have ever been with anybody, okay? God holds back his wrath. He holds back his, 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 his judgment on sin. And he sends his own son. He sends Jesus to pay the penalty for your sins on the cross. He pays it all. He does it all. And all you've got to do is receive him and and put your faith in him and turn from sin and accept his lordship. But friends, if you reject Jesus, the king, then the wrath of God is coming. Unimaginable wrath, eternal separation from God forever. No hope that things will ever be different. No hope of rescue. No hope that, that things will change. That's the wrath of God. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, I desperately want to save people from that. Is that in you? You drove through these neighborhoods this week. Man, something in your heart just breaks, doesn't it? And, and you're like, man, I, I just want to help people. Their, their lives have been destroyed. My goodness. It's, it's in me to help right now. I'll take off from work. I'll, 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 I'll do whatever I can. I'll give some money. I mean, that, that's, and that's just a good thing, okay? And, 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 and let me just take that one step further. Is it in our hearts to really help our neighbors? Is it, in them? is it in us? Is it in us, church, to say, man, I want to I bless them. I, I want them to be saved from the wrath of God. I want them to be saved from a wasted life. I want them to be saved from a life of sin. And I really want their life to be blessed. Notice what verse 23 says, okay? Not only, not only is, is Paul wanting to save them from the wrath of God, but verse 23 says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you hear that? 
Paul says, man, I I want them to have the blessings of the gospel. Do you ever look at your neighbor and say, man, I want them to have what I have. I I want them to be joined to Jesus. I want them to have the Spirit of God inside of them, encouraging them and and lifting them up and taking care of them and convicting them of sin and helping them to love their husband, love their wife, love their kids. I want them to have the, the, the forgiveness of sins. I want them to be righteous with Jesus' righteousness. I want Jesus' righteousness to be in them. You ever look at your kids and say, man, I just want them to have the joy of Jesus in their hearts. I want to know that no matter what happens in their life, that God's going to work all that together. God's going to work every painful thing, every hard thing, and together for good. I want them to have Romans 8, 28. You know, I want that to be true for them. I want them to have the glories of heaven. I I want them to have that. I want them to share that with me. You know what I found? In the case of the gospel, sharing is good. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of times where sharing is not so good in our lives. We're not so 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 you know excited about it. Uh, there's a good possibility we'll go to Subway for lunch and we get the same thing at Subway every week. And I always get I always get two cookies and him always gets chips. And then we we kind of supposed to share. But there's a lot of times where I really I'd rather have both cookies, you know, because sharing means that I have to give one of them to her. And sometimes I eat that first one and I just want the other one, too, you know. And so I always ask, you know, are you gonna, do you want that? You know, uh, and, because sharing means I get less. OK, here's the beauty of the gospel. OK, here's, here's the beauty of the gospel. Sharing means I get more. Yeah, that's the beauty of the gospel. Whenever I share my faith with somebody else. You know, and whenever they come to Christ, you know what? Them coming to Christ, them seeing his glory, them seeing the, the, the forgiveness of Jesus, them possessing the Holy Spirit, them having all these riches dumped into their life makes me more happy, okay? That, that magnifies my joy. It's kind of like, have you ever, ever been in the mountains and you, and you come around this corner and there's this just beautiful view that stretches out forever. Let me tell you, is it more joyful to see that by yourself or to see that with other people? It's more joyful to see it with other people, isn't it? I mean, you want to share it. You want to take pictures of it. You want to send it to all your relatives. You want to say, I want you to see what, what I just saw. I want you to share in it. Because if you're here with me and we're both talking about it, we're excited about it, and we're feeling the same thing, that magnifies my joy. And in the same way, Paul says this in, in verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessings. I also believe that there is, there, there's blessings in actually sharing the gospel. Not just in your friend receiving all the blessings of the gospel, but actually in the act of sharing the gospel. Did you just hear Jessica's testimony? Uh, I don't know if you paid attention to those dates, okay? I think she was saved somewhere around 2010, right? And, uh, and it's 2012, okay? How many of you just thought up in your mind real quick? That's two years, you know? That's two years and already, man, she is, she is committing her life to full-time missions on a university campus. Already she's one, I don't know how how many girls to Jesus, okay? How, how did Jessica grow so fast? I have the answer to that, okay? Now, I know it's God's grace. I know God does the growth. I know the Holy Spirit. I, I, I know all that. But let me tell you a spiritual principle. When, when you begin to engage in people's lives and you begin to share the gospel and you begin to present the truths of Christ, you begin to love people and, and, and meet people's needs and, and, and foster Christ-revealing relationships, you know what happens? You grow, Is that true, Jessica? You grow. The blessings of God become upon you. That's what Paul's saying. Man, Paul's saying he's so pumped up about winning people to Jesus. And part of the reason is, verse 23, I'll read it again. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Okay? The more, the more. That, that Paul shares the gospel is a part of people coming to Jesus. The more joys of Christ come upon his life. 
And part of that is just, as you share the gospel, you depend on Jesus. You know, you, you, you depend on the Lord. You, you come to him. You're, you're, you're being used by him. You're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. All of that has great spiritual benefit in your own life, okay? If you're a person, you feel like, man, I've been a, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I feel like I'm not going anywhere. I got one question for you. Are you actively involved in building relationships with people in which you serve them, you, you care for them, you're Jesus to them, and you're sharing the gospel with them? And if the answer to that is no, I can tell you why you're not growing. It's that. It's that. It's just that. That's it. You, you, you're not a conduit for the Holy Spirit anymore. You cap that dude off. Okay, you're like a pond that has no outlet. What happens when you, when you got a pond? Some of you got ponds out in your, 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 your properties. What happens when that place has no outlet? You got water coming in, but no water going out. Pretty soon that thing starts to be what? Stagnant, okay? You got a pond though that water's coming in and you got water going out. What happens? That thing keeps fresh. It keeps alive. Same way with your faith, okay? Same way with your faith. Philemon chapter one, verse six. Listen to what Paul tells this guy, this Christian. He says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for the sake of Christ. Paul says, man, as you share your faith, man, you're, you're going you're to come to know the things of Christ all the more. Our faith is built up. So what's Paul's strategy here? Okay, back up to verse 19. Back up to verse 19. I don't have any back monitor. I cannot see what you guys are seeing. I hope you're seeing what I'm thinking you're seeing. Okay, verse, uh, verse 19. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Okay, now, now let, me, let me tell you the traditional view of evangelism. The traditional view of evangelism is that evangelism is simply me coming up and telling you stuff. Okay? That's really not the biblical view of evangelism. The biblical view of evangelism is, of course, the proclaiming of the gospel. But, but notice that Paul's strategy, first of all here, is, is he's going to be a servant to all. Okay, He's going to position his life as a servant to all. And he's convinced that, that that positioning himself as a servant is going to impact people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a connection between serving people and winning people to Jesus. And, and, and so Paul right away here says, you know what, I've, I've made up my mind. I'm going to be a servant of, of all, okay? I'm, I'm going to strategize in my mind as I walk through my neighborhood. How can I help that person? What does that person need? How can I encourage them? How can I relieve their suffering? How can I build a friendship? How, how, how can I practically minister to that person? I know my neighbor. I know this person. How can I be a blessing to them? Okay, that, that's what's going on in Paul's mind. Why? Because that is a direct connection to their reception of the gospel. Verse 19, read it again. For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant of all, that I might win the more of them. Let me, let me briefly unpack these, these 19, 20, 21, 22. Notice he says in, in 20 to the Jews, I became like a Jew in order to, to, to win the Jews. To those under the law, as one under the law. To those not under the wall. Not under, okay, let, let me just unpack that real quick for you. Paul knows, first of all, that that let's say he's ministering to this person and they're a Jewish person. Okay, they're in a particular culture. So his first idea is, all right, how do I serve that person? How how do I minister to that person? Well, if I'm going to build a friendship with them, I I need to relate with them. I need not to be offending them all the time. Okay, so if they're a Jewish person, you know what I'm not going to do? You know, I'm not going to bring over pork chops, you know, and say, hey, I grilled some chops for you. Here you go, you know. Why? Because Jewish people don't eat pork, right? And, and so, so he's like, you know what? When I'm with this guy, I'm not going to eat that stuff. You know, I, I'm going to be sensitive to who he is. 
I'm going to try to meet his needs, okay? Hey, you want to go to a Gentile's house? Hey, I'm not going to be a stinker about the fact that they eat pork chops or, or gizzards or whatever they eat, you know? Uh, I mean, he, he says, look, I, I'm going to serve people, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to recognize who I'm trying to reach, and, and I'm going to say, hey, I, I want to be a friend to you. I, I want to serve you by, you know, relating to who you are, you know? Why do we have some hymns in our service? Why do we have some contemporary Christian music? Why do we have that rap? Was that not cool? I tell you, my wife, she was getting over there. I thought she got, has to hold her down, you know. Uh, you know why? Because we've got everybody in here, don't we? We've got folks, you know, senior adults. We've got young people. And we just understand, hey, you know what? We don't care what style of music, okay? Now, you may say, well, I care. Well, let me, let me tell you, my, my view is I care about people coming to Jesus, okay? And, and as long as the words are biblical, okay, then we want to try to reach all pockets of people. And so we're going to be sensitive to who you are. And that's all Paul's saying here. You know, he's saying to, to this person, I try to, he's trying to build a bridge into people's lives. Now, notice he says, I, I'm not going to take it so far as sinning, obviously. Verse 21 he says, to those outside the law became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Okay, so he makes a distinction between the ceremonial law and the law of God. In other words, Paul says, look, I'm not going to sin, you know, in order to try to win people, you know. Uh, I'm not going to go to the bar and get drunk in order to win. You know, I might go to the bar and, you know, not get drunk and try to witness people. But, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, that guy is slobbering drunk. I bet if I got slobbering drunk, you know, and, and then I bet I could witness to him. You know, no, no, obviously not. Um, he's saying, well, we're still under the law of God, but he's saying, look, I, I, I want to try to serve people. I want to serve people. I want to pray for people. I want to share God's truth. I'm, I'm gonna, everything that I do, I, I'm going to do it all. Look at verse 23. This is a great verse. This is a great verse for us right now as a community. Ready? I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Hear that? Under that in your mind or in your Bible. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. What's the all there? It's all is all, right? And so basically Paul's saying everything I do, I do it in view of the gospel. I do it for the sake of the gospel. Okay, now begin to unpack your life that way, okay? Ask, ask, ask the question of everything in your life. How does this impact the gospel? What I'm about to do, how, how I'm about to love my neighbors, how I'm about to relate with my community, how does that impact the gospel? I want, I want to look at that in view of the gospel. So, you know, when we think about, when we think about rebuilding people's homes, rebuilding people's lives, we ought to do it with the view of the gospel in mind, ought we? When you think about your friendships in your neighborhood, you, you ought to think about those with a view of the gospel in mind. When you consider what you post on Facebook, you ought to do that with a view of the gospel. Some of you do that really well. You know, do that with a view of the gospel. When, when you think about your conversations, okay, just at the grocery store, at wherever, when you think of your conversations, do it with a view of the gospel. When you, when you think about how you order your meal at lunch today, do it with a view of the gospel. When you think about how you play soccer, how, 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 everything in your life, what you wear, what you listen to, your entertainment choices, all of that, thinking about it in view of the gospel. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. Whatever I do, I do it in view of the gospel. Now, what's clear from this passage is that winning people to Christ is much more, again, than just saying the gospel. Okay, that's, sometimes we've just looked at it that way. You know, I just got to come up to somebody, grab them, you know, after the tornado. I know a tornado just destroyed your house, but listen, the wrath of God is coming. You're going to die, you know, and you're going to perish. Okay, that's really bad, okay? That's bad. That, that's, that, that's, that's not having a view of the gospel, okay? It's not serving that person in view of the gospel. 
Now, we know the gospel is what saves, right? Amen? The cross of Jesus is what saves, okay? Faith and repentance in Christ is what saved. The shed blood of Jesus is what saved. But guess what? Most of the time, the gospel comes to you wrapped in a person. True? It did for me. The gospel came to me through a guy named Scott Carlson on the wrestling team. And, and man, the gospel came to me through this guy. Okay? And, and so when, when, when I'm hearing the gospel, you know what I'm also doing? I'm looking at Scott's life and I'm looking at how he ministers to me and I'm looking at how he treated me and I'm looking at how he spoke to me and I'm looking at the, the kind of things that, that, that our relationship was about, okay? The gospel comes wrapped in your life. So when you're sharing the gospel, people are, people are thinking of it as they think of your life, as they think of your conversation, as they think of the way you handle yourself, the way you serve them. Folks, the gospel is colored by our lips, Okay? We, we don't want our life to say something contrary to the gospel. We don't want our actions to distract people from the gospel. Listen, we don't want our inaction to, di- to distract people from the gospel, right? I mean, that's a big one right now, isn't it? We don't want our inaction, you know? I mean, we don't, we, if someone goes through a tragedy and we don't do anything to help them, we're just not there. Man, it's kind of hard to then show up later and say, man, I want to I give you... The gospel. I mean, God could still use it, but isn't it so much better when when the gospel comes wrapped in in a person who acts like Jesus, who lives like Jesus, who serves like Jesus? So, in view of that, so what does Paul want? Paul wants to give people the gospel. Why? Because it wins them. Why? Because it saves them. Why? Because it's the, the greatest gift in all the world. Okay? So Paul wants to give people that. All right? Now, now think about this. Okay? Paul wants to give people that, and so he wants to make sure that his life is not a distraction to the gospel. He wants to make sure that he is fit, okay? That he is fit, that his, his life is fit to be a, someone that God will use for the glory of the gospel. And so he goes into this, this passage about an athlete. Verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay. And so, so, the, so our mission is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be the gospel and we're going to tell the gospel to our community. We're going to, we're going to be a servant of all that we might win people to Christ. That's our mission. Okay. Now, here's the deal, though. We got to make sure we're fit to do that, right? My son, um, a couple weeks ago, decided that he was interested in wrestling, which was, man, just wow for me because that was a big thing in our family. My brothers, my brothers are excited about it, you know, and so um, I take him to his, his first wrestling practice, and, and then I want to show him some stuff at home, you know? Dad, I get this opportunity, you know? And so... You know, I'm thinking about different takedowns and, and one that I was really good at, you know, when, when I wrestled was this sweep single. Okay. I, I mean, I must've done it a hundred thousand times and, and it was just like second nature to me. And it's kind of a, you know, it's, you're, 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 you're wrestling the guy and, and, and you just look for certain times when they're off balance, you kind of sweep to the right to pull their left leg over. And then you sweep in and you just kind of skim across the mat and you grab their leg and then you come up on the other side. It's just one sweeping movement, you know, and you come up and you got their leg and there's different ways to finish it. So I'm going to show him this, right? 
And, 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 and so we get down and everything, and I get ready, and I go to the left, you know, to fake and pull him around, and then I go in to sweep single. But it was kind of like, the only way I'd known to describe it was like a plane wreck, you know? I mean, I was like trying to, I was trying to come and skim across the ground, but I just kind of hit the carpet and went, you know. And I thought, all right, a little rusty. And we try that again, you know. It didn't go any better the second time. You know why? It's been 20 years. I'm an old man, you know. And my body, listen, my body can't do that anymore. It, it, it just can't do that. It, it's, it's out of shape. It, it just, it's not trained. It's not been disciplined. It doesn't, it doesn't flex, the flexibility's not there anymore. It doesn't do that anymore. And so something I really want to do for my son, I can't do. You know why? Because my body won't let me do it. Well, you know what Paul says? Paul says, I don't want to ever be in a position where I really want to win my kids to Jesus. But you know what? My life is such a spiritual wreck that I'm not able to do that. I, I can tell them about Jesus, but, but I'm not very fit spiritually. My prayer life's not very good. I've not been in the Bible. I don't have any scripture memorized. And I've not been living in obedience. And I still got this junk in my life that, man, I, I haven't dealt with. And I've been avoiding and Paul says, man, I, I, don't, I don't want to be disqualified. We'll talk more about that next week. Paul says, I, don't, I, I, I want to be fit enough to share the gospel. I, I want to run like the winner. Did you notice how he starts that out? Don't you know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives a prize? You know? I mean, when you think about a race, maybe a big Oklahoma City Marathon that's coming up, you know, there's always, you know, all those people that start out. And, and then there's a guy that cuts through the tape, you know, hours later, 20, 26 some miles later, and he's still running strong. And, and then there's the guy that 200 feet after the starting line, he's laying on the ground, you know, cramped up and, you know, throwing up, okay? I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that finishes. And Paul says, you know, if, if we're going to do that, we've got to discipline ourselves spiritually. We've got to run like the winner. You know, it's interesting that the words the New Testament uses to describe the Christian life. Let, let me give you some of them. This is just a, a smattering from the New Testament. Labor, wrestle, strive, struggle, struggle with all his energy. In this passage, run. What, what are all those words? Those are all words that describe effort and intensity and expending yourself to fatigue. Okay, folks, it's hard work to be a part of the lives of others. That, that's just a reality. It's hard work to actually be a part of people's lives, to actually serve people in effective ways, to be there from people, okay? We've done a pretty good job, I think, this week. But let me tell you, and you know this, man, the needs are not over, friends. You know what? A year from now, there's going to be a ton of needs in our community. Ten years from now, there's going to be a ton of needs. They're not diminishing, okay? And we need to be able to run, as a church, we need to be able to run. And if we're not involved in the practical daily needs of people, if we're not serving people, we're not going to be a very effective with the gospel. Verse 25 says, an athlete exercises self-control in all things. He disciplines his body, okay? He does things that make him stronger. He doesn't do things that make him weaker, okay? Do you do that? And I know we always say... Okay, pastor, yeah, I know I should be doing that. Hey, there's a lot at stake. You understand that? Your kids, your family, our community, 
So I want to really help. If you want to help, we, we've got to discipline our body. We've got, we got to be in shape to do this thing. Spiritually in shape. Verse 27, he says, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. You know what? If you don't keep yourself under control, you're not going to be very effective in winning people to Jesus. So, so you know what Paul says about himself? He says, I keep my body under control. In other words, Paul's got his tongue in a headlock, okay? So that he doesn't say anything that's going to ruin his witness. So that he doesn't blow up in anger. So that he doesn't, he doesn't say things that are hurtful. So he doesn't ruin his relationship with his neighbor. So that a year from now, when the, when the opportunity comes to share the gospel, that he's not completely neutralized in that because he's already ruined his witness by, by saying something when he was mad. You know, Paul says, Paul says he disciplines his eyes not to lust. He disciplines his mind to, to be on a strict diet of truth. He disciplines his feet so that he's not found in places that bring reproach to Jesus. He disciplines his hands so that he can serve others and meet needs. Man, he disciplines his body. This is kind of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. Where he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it away, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body going to hell. Obviously, Jesus does not want you lopping off limbs, okay? That's not the point of that. The point of that is that there's a lot at stake in you not sinning. That's the point of that. It's a big deal. Don't treat it like a small deal. It's a big deal. For the sake of the gospel, it's a big deal. Notice what he says in verse 26. He says, so I don't run aimlessly and I do not box as one beating the air. Paul's not a shadow boxer. You know, you know what a shadow boxer is? You see that, right? All the time, people training. You know what a shadow boxer is? You know, it's, 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 when, it's when you're boxing, but there's nobody else there, you know? I can do that. I can, yeah. I don't want to get in the ring with Wickware, but I can do this, you know, as long as he's not up here. Uh... Paul says, you know what a shadow boxer is? That's somebody who, who does a whole bunch of stuff. They exert a lot of energy. They get real tired and wore out and sweaty. But they never connect. They never land a punch. They never do anything of impact. Man, church, I don't want us to be that. You know how easy it would be for us as a church to, to do all kinds of activity. Just wear ourselves out, you know? Anybody feel that way? Do you feel that way that that's kind of the way your week goes? Is, is you're, just, you're just wearing yourself out. But did you ever really land a punch? Did you ever really connect? Did you ever really do anything that impacted anybody else's life for eternity? Man, it, it's really easy to have lots of activity in your life. You're running here. You're running there. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're You're everywhere. And you're wore out and you're tired, you know, and whenever people talk to you, you know, hey, would you be interested? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm wore out, you know, I'm just wiped out, can't, no more on my plate. Okay, good, good, good. Nothing wrong with being wore out. Let me ask you this. Are you wore out because you've been connecting? You've been landing punches for the kingdom? I'm not talking about beating people up, please don't get that. I'm talking about, are you doing things of impact? Are you wore out because you're building real relationships with people where you're serving them and you're really meeting their needs and, and you're connecting spiritually with them and you're sharing the gospel? Is that why you're wore out? Or are you just shadow boxing? You just, you just, you're moving, you're making, you're making lots, of, lots of energy and noise, but nothing's really impacting for the kingdom of God. Folks, 
I think what Paul says is, man, I really, I really want to get something done. I, I really want to do something significant with my one life that God's given me. I only got one. And I want to do it well. A week ago, just a little after midnight, we're really thankful for guys like Gary England, who's, uh, who's shouting into the camera, Woodward, sound your sirens, sound your sirens, take cover. Man, we're really thankful for guys like Marty Logan, who's out, man, he gave the warning, you know? People were saved, a lot of people were saved because of those guys. I really think we're supposed to be the kind of people, man, who sound the warning. I think we're to be those, those people. I think we're to be the people that say, man, here's what's coming. And here's what Jesus did. And I'm not only going to tell you this, but I'm going to live it out so that you see it in me. That's who we need to be. Let's pray together. My Father, I, I pray, God, that you would help us to, to be uh, this kind of Christian. God, help us to be the kind of Christian who, who is a servant to all. God, give us, give us energy. Give us, God, um, power and strength to, to connect with our neighbors, to, to really help people, to serve them, and, and to bring the gospel into their lives, both through our life and through our words. Father, we don't want to waste the one precious life that you've given us. God, we don't want to be a person that dances around for our whole life and and never really does anything of significance. Father, we pray that you would would take the gospel through us. God, help us to discipline our lives. God, help us to not be unfit spiritually so that when the time comes, we're not ready. We've not practiced. We're not able. God, help us, to, help us to do the work today and tomorrow morning and the next morning that makes us fit and able to bring the gospel to our world. Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. We love the gospel. We want others to have it. In Jesus' name, amen.